Welcome aboard, everybody. It is Saturday baseball. Okay. Saturday baseball. I'm live. So I'm on Spreaker today and on, you know, the normal video um, StreamYard. And today we're going to talk baseball. There was so much happening yesterday. So let me go ahead and just say hi to the chat room. And Leonard, nice to see you. You're always my biggest fan. So let me know how the sound is. I see Mitchell Hartson, Douglas Boyle, nice to see you. Brett Plains, nice to see you too. Um, hopefully, um, you know, our friend Mal Powell will come. I know George is at work today, so that's tough to make it when you have to be at work. Let me shut this window and let's get going. Of course, the biggest news of the day was um, Kluber signing with the Yankees. The Yankees were crazy yesterday, okay? And you know, I'm not a fan of the Yankees, but I have to give them credit where credit is due. Leonard, say something in the chat. Let me refresh. Maybe that's my problem. Leonard, you're not going to tell me how the sound is or what? Anyway... Um, I assume the sound is fine. I'm sure he would be yelling by now if it was not fine. Um, Kluber to the Yankees. They made a lot of moves yesterday. They signed DJ LeMahieu again, which is great for DJ LeMahieu and great for fantasy people that maybe happen to have him in, uh, in, on their team because um, he hits like crazy at Yankee Stadium. Hi, Mitchell. Nice to see you, Douglas. Okay. Thank you very much for saying the sound is good. I don't know what happened to Lenny, but he's usually like right on top of this. Um, so DJ LeMahieu, obviously the perfect fit was with the Yankees. So that's just not, not a huge, um, not a huge surprise there. But Kluber, what happens to Kluber? Does his value go up being now with the Yankees? I mean, obviously the team is a good hitting team. Um, but Yankee Stadium is not necessarily a great ballpark for pitchers. And also the New York media is quite, um, I don't know, uh, they're harsh, okay, for lack of better word at the moment. They're just really, they can be very difficult to deal with. The media in New York is super, um, you know, it just, it is what it is. The, the, the fans are very, um, they, they have high expectations of their teams and they are not afraid to boo a pitcher if he's not, you know, performing up to standards, whatever that, that's not a knock. It just is what it is. I'm not a fan of the Yankees. I already made that clear, but the Yankees are at least making moves. And also the other New York team, the Mets, who I am a fan of, um, also making moves, all, avoiding arbitration with nearly everybody, uh, maybe everybody. Uh, I definitely know there's a long list of, so yesterday was the free agent international signing day. And also the day that teams had to either you know, come up, come to a deal, negotiate a deal to avoid arbitration or not. And so if you look at the news from just yesterday, there's just so much news. Um, so like today, we're going to talk about the signings. We're going to talk about international players that were signed that may be um, important for fantasy purposes, may or may not be. I know there was a lot of action yesterday, so it was a nice uh, sign to see baseball spending money, baseball making moves, things happening. It's just nice to see that, you know, after such a quiet winter with no winter meetings, really. I mean, the whole point of the winter meetings is to 
get together, talk, you know, over drinks and have dinner, whatever. The managers get together, they they negotiate in person. There's something to be said about in-person negotiating um, as, you know, compared to Zoom meetings, which is ridiculous and it's not the same. So, of course, we didn't really see much action during that period of time. But, you know, it's looking like there's teams that are spending money. Um, I know that Philly offered JT Real Muto uh, seven, wait, JT Real Muto, five years and a hundred million. He was offered that by the Phillies. That's what they say, at least. I mean, that's not right straight from the Phillies organization. But, you know, um, reporting at The Athletic says five years, a little bit more than $100 million. Um, that's really not any different from where the, the Phillies were last, you know, last year, basically when COVID kicked in and everything went haywire. Um, they haven't really, you know, ventured further from that. But there was a lot of teams involved with JT Romuto or interested in JT Romuto, but like the Angels were interested and they signed Kurt Suzuki, so they're probably not as interested now. Um, the Mets signed McCann and for substantial amount of money, so they're obviously out of the talks with JT Real Muto. Um, he just really, the Phillies really like him. I know that Dombrowski went and met him and his wife for lunch in Oklahoma last week. Um, they sat and had lunch and talked for 90 minutes. They didn't discuss any kind of money or anything like that. It was just like, you know, we're in town, we're in town, let's meet and uh, get to know each other a little bit. And, you know, Dombrowski spoke super highly of Real Muto, which isn't a surprise. And, you know, a lot of people um, will say they don't understand why he's worth so much money. Like, why, um, when you have an on-base percentage of, like, you know, 310 or something like that, how are you that valuable to a team? Well, uh, according to Jim Bowden, he thinks that JT Real Muto ranked number one of all the free agents of the top 25 players in free agency this season. He ranked Real Muto number one. Um, that's Jim Bowden, our friend Jim Bowden. So the agent for Real Muto thinks that he is not just the best catcher in baseball, the premier catcher, but one of the best players in the sport at any position. Apparently, JT Romuto can play other positions besides just catcher. And he, you know, that is something to think about when you're signing a contract, a long-term contract, potentially five, six, seven years with a catcher. You want to know that they may be able to play other spots, especially if you're a National League team. Now, about, you know, we could veer off right now onto the whole DH subject, but we're going to talk about that. Don't let me forget about it. Um, so, but going back to JT Real Muto, the fact that he can play other position and has played other positions, and um, we don't know for sure about the DH, but the agent says, bottom line, he's valuable in a lot of different ways, and that is true. I mean, if you look at him compared to the other catching, the catcher pool, it is, there's no comparison with this guy. He steals bases, he isn't going to kill you in batting average, and he's just all around for fantasy, obviously the best catcher in baseball. However, there are some other catchers stealing bases now, and that will be for another subject on another show, but the Phillies are most likely going to get Real Muto. What does that tell me? It tells me, number one, that when the owner of Phillies got annoyed that they were talking about the Phillies uh, trading or getting rid of Zach Wheeler, he was like, 
uh, excuse me, like, that's not our plan at all. He said, I wouldn't even trade Zach Wheeler for Babe Ruth. That's what he said. So that, and then they hire, then they turn around right after that and hire Dombrowski. And, you know, like, according to what everybody, Dombrowski isn't the type of manager that, you know, rebuilds teams. He doesn't rebuild. He wins and blah, 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 whatever that means. I don't really go along with that idea. Like, Dombrowski doesn't have that much uh, control over what, um, is happening that, I mean, you know, it, it depends. He's just given a certain amount of money and he's like, okay, you know, this is what we could do. It's not even really him. Anyway, the ownership says, no way are we rebuilding. There is no way. And I mean, look, they just signed Harper to 350 or $60 million and a long-term contract. So that right there tells you the Phillies have to compete. They cannot just tear it down unless they plan on trading Bryce, Bryce Harper and his huge contract, which would be super hard to do. Um, so they, I don't know why they keep signing Vince Velasquez, which they did yesterday. Okay. They signed, they avoided arbitration with Velasquez. Velasquez has, I love watching Vince Velasquez pitch. In fact, I have been a sucker for him for multiple seasons before I finally said, forget it. The guy has I mean, I, I investigated before I forgot it. I, I investigated. I talked to um, the beat writer in Philly about him several times. And I, um, I come to the conclusion of this. He has so many pitches, different types of pitches, but he has no clue when to use those pitches. And so you'll see him um, walk a ton of batters. And that right there is fantasy um murder okay you do not want a pitcher that walks too many batters the whole goal of a pitcher is to keep runners off the base paths that's it like okay you don't want runners on if you can keep them off the base paths it's the better chances for you better 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 um Vince Velasquez is super talented like if he could just figure out when to throw certain pitches like when to throw each pitch in certain situations and when if he had more mound presence right he would be an ace for sure. I feel like that. And he's fun to watch. You know, if I was going to a Phillies game, I would be like, yay, Vince Velasquez is pitching because he, he is fun to watch. Um, definitely has all kinds of different pitches, all kinds of movement. Like, you know, just he doesn't know when to use it. So the fact that they signed him again, they signed him again. And I think they paid him like I'm, don't quote me on this. I'm not positive, but it's only a one-year deal to avoid arbitration. But it was like I think it's like five or six million. I don't even know why, because he would never get that in arbitration. There's just no possible way that he would get that. So regardless, back to the Phillies and the fact that they uh, do consider themselves contending team. They are not in any sort of mood to rebuild, and that's that. So JT Romuto is a real. Uh, possibility, I would say the chances are 80% that they that he signs with the Phillies before the end of uh, this coming week, for sure. So, I mean, the Toronto Blue Jays have been linked to everybody. Um, even Bauer. Bauer was brought up in the Athletic Podcast that I was listening to this morning. Um, Bauer was being brought up. Everybody is linked to the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, look at the Toronto Blue Jays and look at what we're working with here. We have... Um, a team that is young and like, but not too young. They have the, the their team is absolutely uh, just enough experience with these youngsters like BG, um, 
you know, Vladdy Guerrero and Biggio and Bichette, all these guys, they're youngsters, but they are experienced enough to win. And um, I, I would not put it past uh, the Toronto Blue Jays to invest in a Trevor Bauer or something like that. I just wouldn't be that surprised to see it, especially at a time when, look at the division in the American League East. The Red Sox are a nightmare. They are just a debacle. And I don't care what you do. There's nothing that you could do to fix the Red Sox for 2021. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm a fan, but look. It's not possible. Their pitching staff is ridiculous. And you, um, another thing is that one of the pitchers that they that went to Toronto last year, okay, was um, Taiwan Walker, and he was traded from Seattle to the Toronto Blue Jays. And I'm a big fan of Walker. He's like last night he was causing so much chatter on Twitter because I all of a sudden I start seeing I'm looking through the MLB you know I search MLB and I start just scrolling through the news and Taiwan Walker keeps coming up and it's talking about Taiwan Walker to the Yankees and I thought when I woke up this morning I thought that Taiwan Walker was a Yankee this morning it's funny because he was actually like playing along with people. He he's kind of trolling on Twitter. The the guy is absolutely deserves some credit here. Let me tell you about Taiwan Walker. It's worth talking about right now. Taiwan and he's not a Yankee by the way. In fact, like one of the people, one of the reasons why the these fans on Twitter thought he was going to be a Yankee is because he uh tweeted out to Aaron Hicks and he was like, "Yo, when are we going to go golfing?" and um everybody and and he had like a dark blue, navy blue, Yankee blue background on his profile picture. It's like, okay, I mean, I know there's things that you can kind of tell about people on their social media, but that is probably not. Anyway, Taiwan Walker called the guy out. He was like, that's just ridiculous. And then he turned around and changed his background color now to Rockies purple. Um, He is now and he was joking about that because the Rockies fans are like, you know, if I wake up in the morning and Taiwan Walker's not a Rocky, that would be the worst thing that could happen to him, okay? In my opinion, it would be the worst thing that could happen to Taiwan Walker is him becoming a Rockies pitcher because obviously we know the um, demise of pitching at Coors Field. But I give him a lot of credit, okay, you guys. He's not young, obviously. He's been around for quite a while. He was signed by the Seattle Mariners way back when. I'm pulling his numbers up right now. Uh, I could tell you that he came up to the majors the first time uh, in 2013 with Seattle, and and he was with Seattle till 2016. He's only ever pitched 157, or no, 169 innings he did in 2015. But he's had a lot of injury problems. And here's a person that, yeah, you could call him injury risk. You could say like you would with Kluber um, that, you know, there is a a major injury risk here. But it's not the same to me. It's not the same. Yes, Taiwan Walker is 28 years old uh, this coming season. He was 27 last year. So like, but his total innings in his career at the major league level, complete career is only 581. And you compare that to a guy like Corey Kluber, and you see that it's less than half of what Kluber's pitched. Uh, We're looking at closer to like one third of the innings that Kluber has on his arm. And um, so, yes, while 28 or 29 is a little up in baseball world, but it's not because he has very little innings on his arm. 
he worked his way back and struggled his way and fought his way back, which takes grit, it takes um, resilience, and it takes a very strong work ethic to even come back from what Taiwan Walker was. We basically just wrote him off. You know, m most of the fans just wrote off Taiwan Walker. Probably the only person that didn't was his wife and his kids and his mom. You know what I mean? Like, nobody even remembered him. And when he, uh, when I saw last year entering 2020 that Taiwan Walker was going to sign with the Mariners, um, actually, before he signed, I saw last year about, like, November 2020, whatever it was, right before he signed with the Mariners, I noticed that he was, um, I saw some news on Rotowire that he was working, he was throwing, he was ready to come back, he was like super pumped up about proving, he has something to prove, you know, like that kind of attitude. And for me, it's a big deal when you have that type of attitude. I'm a big fan of, of Trevor Bauer, and one of the reasons is because of his grit, his like m mental, like, I, I mean, his mound presence, his... Um, his work ethic is huge and with Taiwan Walker and so that's not the only thing that I have to say about why you as a fantasy person should be looking for this guy and putting him in your queue or like making sure that he's not forgotten man at on draft day now Taiwan Walker uh where is he going in drafts right now at NFBC Taiwan Walker is 299 overall that's not even drafted in most leagues like in a 12-team normal, uh, you know, 12-team mixed league, that's he's not even drafted. Pay attention to this. The highest he's gone is 235. Yes, I know he doesn't have a team yet. Yes, I understand that. But look at his Twitter feed. Look at how much he works out. Look at what a family guy he is. Look at his positivity. Look at how he gets along with other players. That I mean, this is what I see. And I think it's worth... Obviously, it's worth mentioning his statistics, right? You can't get, get away from <laughs> talking about that. Um, okay, let's talk about his statistics. So in the last several years, he's only pitched, last year he pitched 53 innings, okay? He made 11 starts, he pitched 53 innings. His total innings in his career is five, eight, 581 innings and two-thirds. Um, just in the past two seasons, between 2000, no, three, between 2018 and 2020, he only pitched like less than 100 innings. 53 of those innings came just last year. So his K per nine is going to be right about nine. Okay, that's totally acceptable. His walk rate is where you got to maybe walk, watch out a little bit. And um, his home run rate. So we don't really know. Like, I can't really sit here and say definitively this guy is going to give up over a home run per nine innings. But it is obviously going to depend on where he ends up as a pitcher. Um, his home runs per nine last year were 1.35 per nine. But see, he spent half the time in Seattle and half the time in Toronto, which are two completely opposite. Like, they're two totally different spectrums of parks for pitchers. Before that, um, he wasn't giving up very many home runs at all. Except for one season in 2016, he did he gave up 1.81 home runs per nine innings, which is completely unacceptable, right? You want to keep your home runs per nine under one, and that bothers me. But I don't see that as a trend. Okay, that's one thing you got to watch out for him. But his fastball, right? 93.2 miles an hour. It was 93.7 in 2018. So in the last couple seasons, it has not really lost a lot of velocity. 
Um, and I do think that if he gets on, like, if he starts to pitch on a regular basis, which, I mean, what you consider a regular basis is uh, going to be very different this year, I think, than normal. And um, last year, he only pitched 53 innings. So you got to look at that. And most pitchers, we're dealing with the same situation here, you know. Um, they're not going to go for, especially the older pitchers, which I'm not referring to Taiwan Mocker, I'm just saying in general. Older pitchers who, yes, they pitched so many years with 200 innings or whatever. They're probably not, and, and they only pitched 100 last year. I, I, would, I would bet for sure that they are not going to just increase innings like 100. You know, double their innings. They're just not going to do it. So expect to see a lot of six-man rotations. As I really do feel that way. Like there's a couple pitchers that don't really fit into that mold, such as... Um, you know, Trevor Bauer is the first one I can think of because he's always throwing and he's just, he wants to pitch every four days. He'll be one of the few that can. Hopefully he signs with a team that will let him. Um, his, uh, Taiwan Walker. So he's pitched 67 and a third inning since in the last three seasons. That's not very many innings. That's a downside. However, we're talking about a guy that you can get in the last round of your draft. We're talking about a guy that may or may not work his way up the draft board throughout the preseason but I have to say don't forget about him he is absolutely worthy of a paying attention to and at that point in the draft you're you're dealing with guys like John Gray who just signed avoiding arbitration in Colorado but these guys just they have nothing on Taiwan Walker so okay Taiwan Walker follow him on Twitter he's really funny changed his um, profile background to purple Colorado purple we'll see what happens he says Blue Jays fans are awesome obviously they're still linked to Taiwan Walker since he was with the, the Toronto Blue Jays last year the um, three on the athletic podcast I was listening to this morning it's uh, Britt Garoli she writes for the Nationals the Washington Nationals and then Eno Saris and um Oh, I'm going to forget your name. I feel now, I think it's Nando Defino. It's either him or DVR. Either one, whatever it is, they think that there's, um, it is a big deal to go and sign with Toronto because you're actually leaving the United States. Not that I don't know how, you know, whatever that means right now, but leaving the country, bringing your family, um, it is, there's a big, bigger change than just moving across the country, even or moving, you know. A state or two away so um, we'll see what happens but Toronto is I think is ready to compete and they're absolutely interested in everybody right now and I'll believe you know how um, serious they are when they actually start spending money they did get Ryu last year so we'll see what happens um, Ryu is obviously their best pitcher they also have Nate Pearson who is expected to be good they got Ross Stripling from the Dodgers uh Robbie Ray I don't even know why this guy has a job still but he does and a few youngster pitchers um their closer listed right now is Rafael Dolis we talked about him last week on the show on Saturday Baseball and um you know we'll, we'll see what happens Teoscar Hernandez is a big fan favorite I know that um Douglas really likes him he hits the ball super hard uh and I don't know how he plays right field, Teoscar Hernandez. I think he's a little bit um, overrated right now, in my own opinion, because he's being drafted super early. Let's see, in the past month, since, well, not just the past month, but I always look from December 1st to current. Let's see where Teoscar is going. 70th overall, can you imagine? I will not be, no, I will not. 
I will not. So right there, you can also get Ryu, Conforto, Strasburg, Lamette. You can get, um, I'm sorry, look at Brandon Lau, man. What was once a great fantasy bargain, Brandon Lau. 69 overall. And I'm, no, I can't. I can't go there, but he was a big favorite of mine last year. So it's all about, you know, looking at um, where these players are going. And I just think that uh, with Teoscar Hernandez, it's just a little bit too early, like, for me. Okay. Um, another thing, well, I'm not going to get out of order here. Okay, let's just stay in order. Let me go back to my order because I went out of the way for Taiwan Walker. Now, let's talk about the free agent signings. I said it's been a slow season. 12 of the top 50 have been signed and six of the top 10 free agents are still available. Okay, that's according to the ESPN um, free agent rankings. We talked about JT Romuto, Alex Wood. Now let's talk about him for a minute. Another pitcher that I really believe you should not be overlooking in baseball and fantasy baseball. He is obviously um, very under rated in my opinion and he let's see where he's going in fantasy drafts right now alex wood 596 overall he's not being drafted okay moving on let's talk about san francisco ballpark first of all it's the best ballpark in baseball for hitter or pitchers nobody can hit a home run out of there although i will say our friend um that lives in san francisco and a huge giants fan said they are changing that ballpark around where um, they're moving in the fences and what used to be very hard to hit a home run is changing now I don't know what a drastic change that will be like in one season but I do think over time just like we saw in San Diego the Padres ball the um, Petco is Petco I think it is anyway ballpark in Padres it used to be the greatest place for pitchers now it's average for pitchers maybe a little bit above average for pitchers but mostly now average place to pitch now um san francisco is changing the dimensions of the ballpark but alex wood could not have signed in a better place now here's a guy that comes from the dodgers right he was with the dodgers he was also with baltimore before that um no where did he pitch is it atlanta where did alex wood pitch let me go look him up Hold on. I know Lenny hates this, <laughs> but I caught him doing it the other day, so here we go. Um, Alex Wood, lefty, the only lefty in San Francisco, by the way, okay? In their rotation anyway, so. Alex Wood, Dodgers, Atlanta. He was from Atlanta. Okay, so Atlanta. He came from Atlanta. Anyway, What's so great about Alex Wood? Well, number one, last year, I cannot say that he was fall into this category because he didn't do well at all with walks last year. But for the most part, like in his whole career, which has been since 2013, he's pitched 851 innings. We can get an idea of how many batters he walks. And he has always been excellent at keeping the walks down. That's one thing about him. Also, before the last couple seasons, he was excellent at keeping the home runs down. Um... I can't say that he was great last year, but again, San Francisco is a much better upgrade from Dodger Stadium, and he allowed over he allowed 1.4 home runs per nine innings last year, and the year before that when he only pitched 35 innings. I'm not even going to say what it was because it completely falls out of line with his normal stats, and it's just an outlier. Then that's no joke. The last couple seasons have been not great for Alex Wood, but you got to look at his whole body of work and you have to say to yourself, like, what are his skill sets? Now, 
he is getting older he but he's only 30 this year and that is not that old okay it's not that old um now can he strike out batters yes he can strike out batters he strikes out eight batters per nine innings on average like last year he actually struck out over 10 but look he only pitched 12 innings Another good thing that you notice is that he only made two starts. So I assume that he went six innings in each start unless he pitched some... Let me check it out, his appearance. Yeah, look at this. Holy moly, look at this. He only made two starts, and that is not good because his starts... He did not have one outing that went over three innings last year. So, again, I'm not... That is not, um, I would like to see his history and his overall body of work before I make a judgment as to how deep he can go in games because honestly, that has everything to do with the fact that it was a, the last two seasons have been complete outliers for him. He needs to get back on track. He needs to be working with guys that are going to help him get back on track, give him a, 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 you know, a regular job in the rotation, which they are going to give him. He's got Kevin Gaussman, who I am a huge fan. I love the fact that San Francisco is willing to invest in these pitchers that um, were expected to be something good, and you see things in them that would make you believe that they're good, but just had, didn't live up to it like Kevin Gaussman, you know? just He's excellent, though. I really like him. Anthony DeSclafini, another one. Tyler Rogers could be their closer too. This is Taylor Rogers' brother, and he um, strikes out batters. He's got one really nasty pitch that like nobody can hit, no matter what. And so that's another tidbit on this show. We give lots of tidbits. Okay, you might want to write these down. They don't go in any sort of specific order. <laughs> okay. Now his walks were out of control, but for the most part, Alex Wood great with the walks, great at keeping the ball in the park, especially great in San Francisco. Definitely look at Alex Wood. He should not be avoided or ignored in drafts. And in fact, like I, I would draft and it's, it, this has a lot to do with where these pitchers are going in drafts, but I can tell you that I would likely, I would be more likely to have Alex Wood or Taiwan Walker on my team this year than I would Kluber and I don't know where David Price is going. In fact, this morning, um, I was going to compare David Price with Kluber because on Friday, yesterday in the chat room on during Lenny's show, we um, discussed, would you rather have Kluber or Price? You know, neither of them really pitched last year at all. And um, they're two uh, veterans and that were once very good, both of them. And uh, so I was going to compare these two. I know that Douglas is a big fan of, well, maybe not big fan, but definitely uh, keeping David Price on his radar going into 2021. Um, let me check with the chat room and see how everybody's doing. Hi, everybody. Mal Pal's here. Hi, Matt Hooper. Nice to see you. A few guests are here. Um, Price is a wild card for sure. And you just never know what you're getting out of him. And the thing about Kluber is, like, I'm going to pull up David Price's numbers because I already took notes on Kluber. I was going to, I even have a table where I have, like, Price and Kluber right next to each other. I was going to put all their information in, but I just ran out of time, so I got sidetracked, you know. You know how it goes. Um, he's 35. Kluber's 35. Let's look at this. Uh, let me pull up Kluber here. Let's talk Kluber and talk David Price. We're moving on from that. 
So Kluber, okay, is pitching at Yankee Stadium. I looked up his stats at Yankee Stadium with this handy tool called StatHead at Baseball Reference um, at StatHead.com. If you um, subscribe to the StatHead, you can get like so many different tidbits. It's unbelievable that you could find so much. Anyways, um, that's just a shout out to StatHead. We don't get paid or any of that. There's no advertisements here. Just only what I like and what I use. And I will share with you those things. Um, at Yankee Stadium, Corey Kluber, it has a 2.25 ERA. That's pretty good. But here's the thing about Corey Kluber. You know, in the last couple seasons, he he's barely pitched. I mean, and he's pitched. He's 35 years old, same age as Price. He's got... 1,342 and two-thirds innings on his arm over his career. And that's just the, at the major league level. It's not counting any of the minor league, um, you know, innings. And one inning last year for Texas. And the year before that, you know, he barely pitched at all. So he's pitched like 36 innings in the last, since 2018. Now, obviously, before that, he was over 200 for five straight years. And we know, you kind of know that, I mean, with Price, too, you really can say the talent. You know, you know what you're getting as far as um, ability. But you got to take the age into consideration. And you also have to be very serious about considering the injury risk that you have with Kluber. Um, last year, he had a grade 2 tear in his tears. It's called tears muscle. It's in his right shoulder, which is always bad. And I think he had Tommy John surgery before that. But... Um, there is definite injury risk with him because we have not seen him even work his way back from significant injury, not yet at all. You know, if you've seen a pitcher work his way back from a tough injury like a Tommy John or, a you know, any kind of injury with their elbow or their shoulder or their arm, you know that at least they have the ability. But, you know, these are these are career-ending injuries in some pitchers and... You know, Kluber, there's not a lot that you could say bad about Kluber. I mean, he's only allowed 1,165 hits in 1,300 innings. That's always good to see that. He struck out 1,462 batters in that many innings. So he strikes out more than nine batters per nine innings. Um, his fastball is losing velocity. Like, in his last full season, in 215 innings, I believe it was 2018, he had a 92-mile-an-hour fastball. 2019, it was 91.6. And it maxed out in 2014 at 93.2 miles per hour. So it's never been, like, crazy high velocity with Kluber. But it's definitely going down, and you can definitely see that them. Uh, and, and what does that even mean? Like, I don't even know for sure that it's going down, like, substantially because he has not been healthy. And obviously, the velo is not going to be there if he's not healthy. So we haven't even seen him be healthy since his velo was 91.6 or 92 point, you know, right around 92 miles an hour. We haven't seen him healthy. We don't really know what his max velo is, although you can assume it's lower than it should than than normal because he's 35 years old, and that's going to be the same exact thing with David Price over here. Let's look at David Price. What do we got? Number three for the Dodgers. Now, do you think that David Price has a better ballpark than Kluber does now? Because um, the Yankee Stadium is, I wouldn't, it's just not really a 
a pitcher's ballpark, okay, to say the least. But the both of the rotations are decent. Like, obviously, the Dodgers have a better, in my opinion, the Dodgers rotation is better than the um, Yankees rotation. But the ability for these offenses and these batting orders to score runs is there for sure for both teams, obviously. These are two teams that have, like, the best run support in baseball, and you can count on it, okay? Now, let's talk about David Price. He has more of a consistent um, number of innings pitched over the last couple seasons, but he did not play at all last year. We know that. However, is that going to affect him horribly? I doubt it. He has a lot of innings on his arm. He, he, over 2,000 innings, okay, on his arm since 2009. Over 2,000. Like, that is not, that's not good. He's actually only 34, so sorry, David Price. You have a lot of innings on your arm, way more than Kluber, even. Like, 500 more innings than Kluber. Okay, he also walks, like, you can't count on him to keep the walks down as much as Kluber, but it's not horrible. It's not a walk problem. He's under three walks per nine. Okay, so it's not a walk problem. Now, his strikeouts are good. They're probably better than Kluber's. I would assume, I would expect him to get a better strikeout percentage than Kluber. He strikes out in 2019 when he was in Boston. He struck out over 10 per 9, almost 11, 10.73 strikeouts per 9 innings. I mean, he's always striking out more than he's always striking out more than 9. That's what he does. Okay. Now, his home runs Here's the other thing. He has zero experience in Dodger Stadium. And I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'll take that back. I, I don't know that he's never pitched in Dodgers, at Dodger Stadium, okay? But if he did, it wasn't for the Dodgers. It was for the Boston Red Sox or the Tampa Bay Rays or whatever it may be. It was not for the Dodgers because he hasn't even pitched for the Dodgers yet at all. We don't know how much he's been working out, like off, you know, this whole season that he took off or how much he's obviously in LA. So he's probably working with the pitching coach. I would assume that they've gotten to know each other a little bit by now, but that matters. You know, what matters. I know that he's made friends with the other pitchers on the team, the other players on the team. I know that he's like, he was involved when the COVID hit. He was involved in helping out the minor leaguers, which was an excellent um, act of kindness and very considerate. Now, also, I'm interested in, uh, look at these other pitchers for the Dodgers. You got Julio Urias. I got to see where he's going. This guy, it's going to just all depend on where he's going, okay, in drafts. So, let's see. He's going 113 overall. The earliest he's gone is 81st, and the latest is 168. There's not a good chance I'm going to have him on my teams. Maybe I will. He showed great. Um, he just showed growth last year and he's been showing growth but why is Jesus Lazardo? here's the thing I'm doing a show on Tuesday nights nothing but fantasy it's an interview show and this week specifically we are going to have Todd Zola come on and talk about his um I he writes for Rotowire he's done uh, articles on all the positions and he's put the closers in tears he's put the pitchers the starting pitchers in tears and so I'm going to talk to him about his articles at Rotowire, the questions that I come up with as I'm reading the articles. And one of his, my questions for him is, why is Jesus Lazardo in the same pitching tier as guys like Trevor Bauer, uh, uh, Castillo, Luis Castillo, um, I'm just trying to think right off the top of my head, like these other pitchers that are in the same category tier as Lizardo. Now, I'm 
like half I don't know I first of all Lizardo is yes we all love him okay we all like his potential but just remember it's potential that's all it is it is definitely not experience or any kind of proof of of uh, the ability to do to compete at any at the major league level okay he has not competed he has not stayed healthy and as much as I want to like him, and I know Malpal was a huge fan last year, went all in on Jesus Lizardo and got burned. I guarantee that Jesus Lizardo is not in Malpal's top tier of hitter or pitchers this year, coming coming up on this year. He's going before Julio Urias in drafts. It's blasphemy. It cannot be true that Lizardo is going before guys like Julio Urias, Matt Chapman. Holy moly, I can't even imagine. Okay, that's just me. But I can't, I, I don't see anybody giving me any kind of real reasonable reason, like reasonable explanation of, and I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm not going to dog on Todd Zola. He's obviously a very experienced fantasy player. He's been around forever, right? And I'm typing his name into Rotowire right now. I'm searching for players typing in Todd Zola. I'm actually um, looking up Lizardo. So stop distracting me. Okay. Anyway, I'm not going to be like, you know, that's stupid. Obviously, Luzardo is a um, very talented young lefty, probably the best lefty youngster coming around, you know, that we've seen. But can we just give him an opportunity to, like, actually pitch in the major league? He did pitch 59 innings last year. He started nine games. His ERA was over four. His whip was 1.27, not horrible. But this guy had never pitched before last season – he had one season in the minors, 2018. He pitched the most innings he's pitched in a season at any level combined, like at, in any one season, is like less than 100. He's also never gone later than five innings in any start. Um, and I don't know for sure that that, let me look last year. Did he do it? Oh, look at this. He did on September 9th. He, he, he was actually pitching pretty late in game so I'll take that back but entering into last season I remember one of the things that I noticed about him is that his um his history was that he would only pitch like four or five innings max in his starts okay that's changed he went six innings seven innings six innings so definitely feasible that he can at least get deep into games but he's just um talk about inexperienced that's the bottom line with him um still you know just too young 22 years old last year 23 going into this season I'm not sold on that okay now on the other hand with you have Mr. Urias here he's only 25 he's, uh actually let me look he'll be 25 in August so he's 25 this season he'll be 25 but you know just He's got a little bit more experience. I can trust him a little bit more. And he's going after Luzardo. So let me see what Malpal and friends are saying about Luzardo in the chat room. Luzardo wasn't awful, but was he? Hey, Big Al, nice to see you. So nice to see you. Thanks for joining us this Saturday morning. Very fun stuff. Um, Jeff Hoffman, nice to see you. I know Lenny um, bosses you around trying to make you come to the chat room, and I know you're not like that huge of a fan of baseball, and I would never be offended if you didn't show up, but thank you for coming and saying hi. It's nice to see you. Um, okay, back to the notes. Let's keep going. I'm just blabbing. It's like 10 minutes I have to be an hour, but we still have more stuff to talk about, believe me. 
more stuff. So Kluber Price, um, I don't know. Let's look and see where Price is going in drafts right now. David Price, 181 overall, 130 earliest, um, and it, as late as 272. So you know that's around 20, at least around 25. He has a team. See, I would absolutely be willing to put David Price on my team for that um, for that round. There's no question. David Price, we're talking about a guy that's on the L.A. Dodgers rotation. So, I mean, that's a big difference between um, – oh, wait, that's Kluber. Kluber is – no, I did talk about Price. Kluber is going 257 overall. Earliest is 149, and latest is um, – 324. I'm absolutely willing to put either one of these guys on my team, but I have a feeling that both of these guys are going to start going up, up, up the draft board. So right now, um, David Price is 181, and he's pretty much the, they're right neck and neck in drafts. So you could take your choice, and it's a great comparison, I think, because they're both older veterans. Um, obviously, David Price has the lead right now. He's got the edge because he has a team that's a very good team, and and well. Obviously, Kluber has a team, too. I just, I don't like the Yankee Stadium for Kluber at all. Even though he's experienced in the American League, he was in the American League Central, now he's in the American League East, it's not that big of a difference. I would be willing to give David Price a shot more so than trusting on Kluber. And for whatever reason, there's several reasons that we just discussed. But what do you guys think in the chat room? You're glad I don't have a cap on. That's what Lenny usually tells me, but I sometimes don't really like to comb my hair that much. And so, you know, um, and it's winter, so I like them. I like, I think they're fun. Anyway, it's mostly because I don't like to comb my hair, and that's the truth. Let's just be honest. <laughs> okay. Um, what's Gore's ADP? Gore. Mackenzie. Um, wait. 288 overall. Okay, Mackenzie Gore. So big Padres fan in the chat room here. And 288 overall in the month of December and up to current. And it's 186 earliest and 399. He's gone as late as 399. He's been drafted in six, all 66 leagues. Well, let's see. The number of times drafted. Number, number of picks, 66. Everybody has 66. So there must be 66 drafts that have taken place. Everybody's been drafted. Mackenzie Gore. Wow, that's pretty late. What do you think of Gore? He could be very, he could be very good. Um, also, another question that I have for Todd Zola, if we're talking about the Padres, is he definitely believes that Chris Paddock is coming back. Like he definitely believes that Chris Paddock can uh, return to what he did. And what we don't know for sure if Chris Paddock was just really good one year, or if he, you know, can actually be that type of pitcher again, or maybe the league figured him out, maybe. Maybe. But Todd Zola believes in him because he has him up in a very high um, tier. He's, you know, Chris Paddock, another thing, 140 innings in 2019. He was very good. Then he just, in 2020, came back. He, I had him on a couple teams. Last year, he was a big disappointment because of where you had to draft him. And um, his ERA was almost five, and it was just not that great. So he started 12 games. Gore burned me because you should not be drafting Mackenzie Gore last year. That's the problem with prospects. You cannot draft prospects. If he burned you, that's because you had him on your team to begin with. And 
that was a risky move for for that but maybe you drafted him before this whole covid thing happened and you know even then i still i just wouldn't he, he mackenzie gore is he's um not even in the majors no major leagues no nothing no triple a 124 innings completely in his entire career mackenzie gore he has zero experience at the major league level also what's so great about him his era is not that great at double a was over four his whip was over 1.3 so what is it about mackenzie gore that we love so much and you could say you know all day long that he's got the stuff i'm sure if i read his i'll read his outlook right here i'm sure it's like oh he's got the best stuff what's what is stuff if you have no command what it, what is it like it says he's a lefty okay Mackenzie Gore and I did say Luzardo but I still think Luzardo at this point in time is much better lefty pro, you know youngster than Mackenzie Gore not that I don't think Gore is good but I don't see any reason why I would think he was that good he gave up three home runs in 21 inch innings at double uh, a and he walked eight in 21 innings he walked eight three home runs that's horrible the year before that he pitched at high a 79 innings he struck out 110 so that's excellent his velocity wait let me guess his velocity is probably like 100 right let me take a look his i don't see his fastball um, velocity on here yet he's got to make it to the majors it says um that the Padres didn't promote him because they wanted him to debut in the rotation, not in the bullpen. So, okay, that's a good signal. That What? Debut in the rotation? Okay, so do they plan on bringing him up at the beginning of the season? I doubt it. They're still not going to bring him up until he um, is under contract for an extra season. That's my opinion. He's only 21, so why would they bring him up at the beginning of the season? So it's it's odd that they're that they're blaming not bringing him up on the fact that they want him as part of the rotation what was their rotation so stacked that they didn't have any room for him they had <laughs> actually it is pretty stacked they didn't have you darvish last year and they did have lamette who was excellent clevenger is both of these lamette and clevenger are out right now and those two are i would say big red flags for pitching um if you're drafting soon, I would not be drafting. Obviously, you're not drafting Mike Clevenger, but Denelson Lamette either. I don't know what's going to happen, but you Darvish, number one, okay? The, Padre, um, the Padres are going to be a great team. I just, look, you can't, in my opinion, you should never, ever invest in prospects at the in your draft. That's just me. But over and over and over and over and over and over, it's like one of those things that just keeps going the same over and over every year. We hype up these prospects, okay? A couple years ago, it was Vladdy Jr. Everybody loved Vladdy Jr. They loved him so much that they were drafting him in the fourth round, okay? Heading into a fantasy season where we didn't even know if he was going to be up in the major leagues. It is so risky and, albeit, exciting to draft these youngsters because it's that's it, it, there is a level of excitement, okay, when you're dealing with guys like Vladdy Jr. And we say, oh, this is a talent, a generational talent. Like, um, generational talent is some, that's one of the, you know, that's one of the buzzwords that you hear. When, but here's the thing. Vladdy Jr. did not work out the first season for fantasy owners. What do they do the next season? Now they're on to the next big thing, McKenzie Gores and such. 
okay? What happens now? Vladdy Jr. is a forgotten man in fantasy. Now we're moving on to the new youngsters, the new exciting um, potential stars of baseball generational talents. And we forget about the guys like Vladdy who have actually, you know, now are at the point where you would say he has a much better chance of breaking out. We forgot about him. Like, I, I know we didn't forget about him completely, but we forgot about him for the most part. We're not drafting Vladdy Jr. in the fourth round. Um, definitely didn't draft him in the fourth round last year. It was the year before that all the hype was. Now, okay, we I'm always about, yes, draft a prospect if he's last year's prospect. Draft him in the 28th round. Draft him in the 20th round because everybody's moved on to bigger and better and younger things, you know? Um... It's kind of like what Lenny's going to do when I turn 50. He's going to be on to bigger, brighter, younger things. Just kidding. I don't know. I thought I don't tell jokes very good. Like, I only tell jokes good when I don't mean to. So, anyway, Mackenzie Gore. Let me see what some of you. I would say Malpal has the most knowledge of what's going on with Gore and why everybody liked him. Gore burned me because he never came to the majors. A rookie's a rookie is a rookie. Um, Malpal says that Chris Paddock needs to work on a third pitch. He's avoiding Gore this year. Good idea. You learn that. We learn a lot of things from Leonard here in this chat room. Um, Malpal said that Gore had blister issues, which likely explains his command issues. Did Lazardo have blister issues too? There was another pitcher that um, I uh, was reading about the other day that made me hesitate that he had blisters. Um, it's not necessarily like a deal breaker, the blister thing. But there's been pitchers that it's like literally ruined their career in the past couple seasons like in the past five or six years we've seen a couple different pitchers that just are constantly dealing with bru uh, blisters what does that mean I don't know you'd think that their freaking hands and their fingers would start to get rough after a while and like tough skin would grow back and they wouldn't be uh, so easy to rip the skin off of their fingers because a blister is not fun and it runs the risk of getting infected big time if you just ignore it so I mean the blister thing okay he says Gore had blister issues which explains his command issues but I would be paying attention to the blister thing going forward is the blisters going to cause a problem in his major league baseball career or is he going to eventually get so many blisters that he just grows like the toughest skin okay you know, kind of like walking around with your feet, uh, no shoes on. You'll get tough feet. They won't be so sensitive. Then you could walk around anywhere with no shoes. But don't recommend it. A gorilla. Two gorillas at the San Diego Zoo have COVID, by the way. I just thought I'd throw that in there because, um, yeah, I was reading. Obviously, I was reading about the Padres. And I see on the side another thing. The two first animals that have ever transmitted COVID or gotten COVID. Who knows where it came from? Obviously, it came from somewhere. But one of the gorillas is older, gorilla, unhealthy, and then so he's probably not going to make it, but maybe the other gorilla will live. They have him on a, a regimen of drugs, treatments. Okay, anyway. Lenny loves, Lenny has blisters. You have no excuse. Yeah, the gorillas. Okay, so... We're pretty much like done with that, but I do have something to say about the outrage that's going on about the Giants, the Giants owner. 
donating money to Republican political candidates or whatever. And the cancel culture that we live in is something that every single one of us needs to pay attention to because you cannot... I've been saying this for a long time because I've been watching it happen. And I promise you, don't try to deny it that it's happening. And it may be okay that canceling somebody that you don't agree with, um, you don't aren't bothered by that. I understand that, okay? But take a few minutes and seriously consider what happens when you cancel discourse between people and the... Um, ability to share what's on your mind. And and honestly, not only that, but if you're honest about the situation, you could take a look at the two sides politically and you could see that it's okay for one side to incite violence, to loot and riot and destroy buildings and ruin businesses and livelihoods of many black communities by the many black business owners, many black um, community members, all in the name of Black Lives Matter. It's okay to donate $200 million to uh, Black Lives Matter when the money is going straight to bail out criminals for looting and ruining innocent people's stuff. It's very scary when it gets to a point where one side is accused of violence, even though no one person died, and that one person that did die at the Capitol building, it, that's their own decision to climb through that window. And then, so the reason that they died was for making a bad decision. Um, I also would like to be very clear that in the last few days, the media doesn't want to tell you this, but there's been several activists arrested and um, you know, identified as the, as big time provocateurs, which you can laugh or think that I'm crazy, but it's very true that there are political pro provocation going on here where, and just yesterday I saw it, the guy has a Trump hat on. I'm going to wear a Trump hat. I just got one Trump hat. He wants to fit in with the Trumpsters. He wants to make them look bad. Believe me, that's a possibility. Just hear me out and think of it maybe as a, a possibility that this could be happening. Um, you know, the election, I accept the election completely 100%. I will absolutely want the best for this country going forward. And um, I will still say that the election fraud, in my opinion, was never looked at by a fair-minded group of people, which scares me a lot going forward because I don't believe that our election was fair. I believe that there was many reasons to at least take a look at what's going on. But to say that when you read articles and you read the media's wording, pay very close attention to what they're saying and the words that they're using because they're very, they're purposeful, number one. Um, when you say debunked election fraud or, you know, legitimate, that Biden won legitimately, he won the Electoral College legitimately. It's setting a narrative, and I want everybody to be aware that we are on the same side here. Americans, me and you, people that love baseball, the people that we disagree maybe politically, maybe we donate to different um, types of people, but we all are Americans, and it is time to band together and to realize that the media and these, these, these ideas that it's not okay to have conversation anymore 
is completely it's if you don't have conversation and you don't have discourse with each other what happens it allows any kind of corruption to completely blow up and um it's if you only get to hear one side of the story then you do you worry that they're only telling you what they want you to believe and one of the most beautiful things about living in this country is the ability to say and speak your mind um just be careful of that please the san francisco giants owner these this is a club this is a ball club that has donated to every um foundation under the sun they absolutely promote black lives matter they promote um inclusion diversity they're one of the most forward looking baseball teams and he like look on twitter they're being canceled and outraged everybody's outraged because um the owner donated to the republican party be very careful of that be very careful of that that is very scary because even though it's not happening like it's only happening to one side right now but it will happen to everybody if we allow it to continue like this um that's it i i i wish that um i wish there wasn't so much cancel culture going on i wish that people just didn't absolutely hate each other and make judgments on people just for believing in things like I don't think we even believe different things. I think we just have different ways of going about getting those things. And we have to be able to work together. We have to. Or we're in trouble. That's all. Okay, everybody, have a great Saturday afternoon. Have a great Sunday. Tomorrow is my last day to sleep in because we will be doing serious on the next sat- Sunday after that. The 24th we start. 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh that's hella early but anyways i'll be sleeping in tomorrow douglas hopefully you'll be on tomorrow maybe um that would be on at 5 30 if so and then of course george is always a fun show at 6 30 um monday night let's see tuesday night we have me doing an interview with todd zola nothing but fantasy we're going to be talking fantasy baseball seven o'clock p.m wednesday we have happy hour social club at seven o'clock and then thursday is uh lenny will be doing thursday nights and then right after that we have another happy hour social club with um uh taco and king hap of course and then one other guy anthony decato i think is his name decato one of the decato brothers anthony or joe or anyways okay Lenny tried to tell me what's appropriate for my own show, but that's the beauty of doing my own show. You don't get to decide what's appropriate. Only I do. So everybody have a great day. Have a great weekend. Hope to see you back. And um, that's it. Enjoy your day.